Oh no. Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the Sicilian, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Have you ever heard of Aristotle, Plato, <laughs> Socrates, Morons? <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we're going to discuss Avatar, Superman, The Joker, Shitty TVs, Marvel <laughs> Twisting the Knife, some assorted news and nuggets from our friend Al, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Princess Bride. But first, Al, what are we drinking? I got through that so good. And for whatever reason, stumbled over the name of the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Um, I also couldn't tell you why I cracked the beer, and it was magnificent. It was very good uh, as far as audio goes. Uh, and immediately it got super foamy yeah. and almost overflowed, and that's why I oh no during the intro. Do, do you see what I'm holding up here? Yeah, no, I'm doing this. Yeah, we got the yeah. same. It's, it, it, I broke it. I broke the beer. So, I'll tell you what we're drinking several minutes from now when we, we can get it all in the glass. What we will eventually drink. Um, so what we will eventually be drinking is Ten Bends Beer Rotary Chaos IPA. It is a pint, of course. Naturally. 5.8% alcohol by volume, 55 ABUs. They make small batch ales in Hyde Park, Vermont. And this week we get a little something in the can. Chaos surrounds us every day and manifests itself in many different ways. Even in Vermont, with an abundance of natural serenity, confusion abounds when we are required to drive in circles to reach our destination. However, if you exit the rotary at the right time and take the road that follows the river bends, you will Just land at the river bend. Bend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually watched it for a few minutes the other day. Um, <laughs> yeah. You will land at Ten Bends Beer. There you will find Rotary Chaos IPA, a smooth ale brimming with Amarillo and Galaxy Ops mm. that will provide you with calm on even the most chaotic of days. Nice. I'm really excited to taste this. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I think I'm going to have well, to taste it out of the can. Since I'm going to have to uh, wait a little minute for this to all, did you do the little uh, foam trick? You know, the little uh, I grease on the foam did trick? For, like, I don't get grossed out by a lot of things, but that for some reason... Makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, if you needed help and I demonstrated it to you with my forehead grease, I can understand being upset sure, about that. Sure, sure. But it's you. It's just like, I, I don't know what it is. It's like a combination of putting the grease over the foam, accepting the fact that you have that much grease on your face. <laughs> it's it's a it's just a mixture of disgust <laughs> that, that well, happens. Considering I went to the gym and didn't shower, one nice. of us is in a worse situation than the other. Um, <laughs> but I needed some sort of stalling to do because this. What if I just say, "Yeah, me"? Then you just then it just leaves it open for you to figure out what have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What did I not know? And what has gone so horribly wrong? I mean, it looks like there's just a snowball on the top of my glass. Like this yeah, is um, this is thick. There's still a considerable amount more. I'm I'm only now approaching fifty percent beer, fifty percent foam. Alright, I'm gonna take a whiff of the top here. Yeah, I'm we can take, do we can do a little smell test. Mmm, smells delightful. It does smell good. It has that smell, um there was a smell in the heady topper and the mm -hmm. uh the focal banger that I'm I get here. Yeah, um 
I don't know which of the hops off the top of my head. I'm not sure what hops are, are featured most prominently in mm. uh, Alchemist beers, so I couldn't tell you. Sure. Um, you're right. There is kind of a similarity to this. Um, while we're waiting okay a little with. bit longer for this foam to get rid of, I will recount a story real quick. Okay. I can't remember if we discussed it on air or if it was just you and me talking, uh, but I got a four-pack of this. Um, oh, yeah. With- Which the name is so fitting. Chaos? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got a four-pack of this amongst the many Vermont beers that I got when I went up for my buddy's wedding earlier this year. And so typically my MO is I take the beers that we're going to do for the show when I acquire them, and I typically acquire them in batches like this, and I immediately pull two out of all of them, and I earmark them. All of the One of those pairs goes into one shelf on the door uh, on my downstairs fridge, so no one touches them. In fact, someone tried to take one the other day. No! <laughs> um, friend of the pod. What do I friend do? Friend of the podcast, Victoria. Ah, and Victoria. <laughs> she, was, she was over to watch a little kickoff football this week. And um, she said, oh, can I have a beer? I said, sure. As I was walking into the room, she opened the fridge. She immediately turned and looked at the door. And I said, don't you dare. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what? Don't you dare touch any of those on the top shelf. She's like, I wasn't going to. I was like, yeah, good. You wouldn't because you're not allowed to have those. You're so hostile. I have literally almost any other beer in here except for that one Um, or any of those up on the top shelf. So (laughs) I took two of these beers. One of them went in the fridge. One of them went to Anthony to his fridge. Uh, the other two were sitting on a shelf in my basement for weeks, and they were fine. And then one day I was going to move something. It was right after I brewed my last batch of beer, actually, so pretty recently. Mm. Um, and I was going to move some stuff around on these shelves, and I noticed that there was some liquid on some of the stuff. And I had been moving some of that stuff like a day or two earlier. So I was like, where the hell did all of this come from? And then I saw one of the cans of the Rotary Chaos was mangled on top. <laughs> Turned inside out. And then and it, it exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I picked up uh, pick up the, the, the can and I look at it. I was like, oh, shit. The whole top of the can blew off. Like 75% of the can uh, on the top where, you know, it's crimped as they, as they mm-hmm. do when they... they I don't know if anyone knows anything about canning, if you've ever seen the canning process, but that's what they do. They put the little top on and they crimp it. Um, And I was like, what the fuck happened? And I looked at the other can of Rotary Chaos that was sitting there, and it was also bulged, looking as if it it attempted to explode as well, but didn't quite make it. The can just managed to hold up. As I said right before we got on air before, it was 99% exploded because <laughs> the bowls looked like exactly the same it just somehow was still sealed right. so i immediately put it in the freezer to get it to cool down because i assumed that it was under a lot of pressure and the warmth of the basement which my basement is not typically very warm right um caused the expansion of the gas and i figured it would get back into solution if i refrigerated it and it survived and when I told Anthony about this he said maybe you should try try that beer first before i drink it and like poison myself and I survived. I drank that one eventually, and it was very good. And now I think we're probably ready to try this one. All right, sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I, I gotta say, mine has a dent in it, and I just was, I was just hoping that you had one can fully explode, 
one can almost explode. I just assume that mine's imploding. <laughs> that would be quite fitting for this beer. Cheers, Cheers. now that it's drinkable. Ah, yes. Hmm. Hmm, that's good. Exemplary. Very nice. Nice flavor there. Um, I feel like it's got a really strong smell, and it's really strong when it hits your face, but then it's smooth. <laughs> yes. Um, that seems like an accurate way to describe it. Also, very pretty. A very pale India pale ale. <laughs> a very pale ale. <laughs> Idiot. Well, it's funny because <laughs> pale, pale ales and India pale ales were pale ales. Mm. Um, and now that's become more a naming convention of the style of beer. Right, uh, more than the color. flavor and aroma and the hoppage. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with hoppug in um, Long Island. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you can have a black IPA, which mm. is pitch black and you can't see through it all. The coloration is relatively unimportant for the style. Right. Interesting. interesting. This is tasty. I like this a lot. This is going to be an alcohol slash alcohol facts filled episode. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm excited. I also wanted to talk about. Well, let's talk. Let's let's finish off our beer. Um, you commented right before we got on there about the beer can art, as Mm. we are wont to do. Yes, Majora's Mask. We were. Yeah. (laughs) You said it reminds you of Majora's Mask, and I. It's like, yeah, I can see that. Um, like a, I, I like the. Take a little snap of this. I'll share it out to the to the folks. Yeah, throw that out there on the. Uh, throw that out on the. I'll throw it out there on the line instantaneously. <laughs> <laughs> on the exchangeogram, right? Ex- exactly. Um, Again, pick up your fingers. Take a picture. <laughs> That's the internship for those of you not familiar. <laughs> Which we've done several times. Um, yeah. Not an episode on it. No, I, I now that we've referenced, referenced it for the 600th time, we'll just tell yeah. you what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I dig the can and the color art, and I dig the beer as well. This is a delightful IPA. But on uh, the yeah. topic of alcohols, let's take a few moments to recap our wonderful trip to Whiskey Live mm. last week. Oh, which how we- could I forget? Which we previewed on last there week's were, episode. There were ups and downs. There that, were enemies and friends. Right. <laughs> what? There were ups and downs, enemies and friends. Yes, enemies and friends. Enemies who became friends. Who then, true. Who then got weird. <laughs> Which kind of fits this episode, the movie we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so that was, a, that, was a nice little, that was a nice little treat. Um, Al... Myself and our friend Jay went to Whiskey Live in New Jersey. Uh, I don't know if it's the first time they did it in Jersey. Um, the previous ones that I've been to were... Uh, oh, I think I it's the first time they did it in that venue. In that venue. Uh, it was it was awesome. I mean, like, you, you go to a whiskey tasting like this. The last one that I went to was in um, was at the, the pier in... In Manhattan, and it was just like it was so many people, and it was fine. Like there was they had there was enough space to accommodate it, and there was a lot like to to do. But this one was a much smaller venue by comparison, and I and was also concerned. a much smaller crowd. Yeah, a mu- exa- well, exactly. I was very concerned because I didn't know like how many tickets were going to be going into this thing, and like it ended up being a really, really just terrible day weather wise, and I it Flooding. seems like half the people didn't show up. Uh, yeah, which was uh, great for yeah, us. It's funny because it was like a normal day during the day, and it was hot. And then 
it started raining halfway through our hell ride to the venue. <laughs> our hell ride. <laughs> um, more on that in a few. Um, yeah. To the point where it was flooding substantially on the roads in the last 10 minutes of the drive. Yeah. I mean, and but- we were watching, like, actually a pretty magnificent thunderstorm. There was lightning strikes everywhere. It was, it was multiple wild. strikes all at once. Right over top of us. It was actually kind of cool. It was the only the only part of the ride that was probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was awkward. We'll get to that. But back to the to the actual tasting. So, you know, you go in, you get your glass, and there's a whole bunch of vendors there. And the vendors, like, they have a whole, like, line of their whiskeys. And, like, ranging in years or ranging in styles. And you get to try a lot of stuff that you either maybe wouldn't get a chance to, wouldn't think to try, would never buy because it's too expensive and you don't know how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> and you just, it's its just a lot of fun. It's just, I feel like the ticket's expensive, but Very. you do get your money's worth because of I what you get I to try. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, we made it our mission, <laughs> to, to be clear. I, I tried easily 40 whiskeys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easy. And there, it's, it's not an insignificant pour. <laughs> No, most of them poured out about an ounce. Not all of them, but yeah, most of them. Yeah, we we drank a lot. Like it was. Luckily, they gave you just this wonderful buffet. Just yes, just an enormous amount of food that you, that you could eat, which is necessary in that situation. But the beauty of this was the fact that very few people showed up. Uh, it sounds like they actually did sell the tickets, but not yeah. everyone came, which I was happy with because we got to spend a lot of time with the vendors. No, they definitely got their money's worth, but I made sure to take the power back a little bit. I got my right. money's worth. Well, considering I spent zero dollars because it was a gracious gift. Um, <laughs> but even had I spent the money, I feel like I had gotten my money's worth. Your father's paying good money for this. Wouldn't want to ruin your fun, <laughs> Mr. Cheapskate. <laughs> uh, the I got to say, though, all in all, what must be said, shout out to Jenny from Breckenridge because that we spent the most time at that table and she was giving us punch and all sorts of whiskey and it was amazing. Oh yeah, that's right. She made her uh she made her bourbon uh bourbon iced tea, which yeah, was really so, fucking good. Yeah, she made this bourbon iced tea that was at the table and she was like, Yeah, like you know, you're gonna have a lot of whiskey, so every time you need every once in a while you need palate cleanser to come back here, have this, clear out, and then go back on your way. Little did we know that by the end she just was dumping more bottles of bourbon into the iced well, tea. <laughs> well, the key point is we walked in a couple of minutes late for the VIP half hour. A um, couple minutes and early. What? A couple minutes early. It wasn't open when we got there. They pushed it back. No, no, no. But the start time of the event itself, we were supposed mm-hmm. to get a, a free – or not a free. Uh, whatever, oh, a, for the whole – yeah, half yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were a few minutes late for that. Um there was probably only about 10 people in when we got in there, though, still. Um, and all told, what, was there maybe 100 people? Yeah. Not even? I, I don't think it was much more than that. There was, more, there was more different whiskeys than there were people who attended the event, mm-hmm. um, which is why I said they got their money's worth. Um, and we walked in, and we got her right off the bat. She was the first person on the end there. Super gracious with her time. Not that she had anything better to be doing and right. you know we she's like oh try this this uh this with this bourbon uh, iced tea mm. we're like oh sure sounds great after we tried a couple of whiskeys wow this is really <laughs> here's good. here's some gin are you trying to get us thrown out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah also her gin um we we um we tried the, the the whiskey iced tea and we're like wow this is really good she goes yeah 
I was debating putting another bottle in there. And you were like, how many bottles are in there? <laughs> another <laughs> bottle? That's like, like, that's, there's that's, one yeah, in there. That was I my was concern. Put another. It's like, I, oh, did you put a cup, two cups in there? No, you said another bottle, which means that your only units of measurement are Our bottles. And that's concerning. Uh, we came back later, and there was definitely a two-bottle batch in there. Because, whoa, there was a difference. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was good. I gotta say though, my favorite that that was it ended. It was the first one that we stopped at, and it ended up being my favorite one simply because she was super knowledgeable, super into the whole thing. Like, like really a member of that group, like yeah. who, the people running that. That and, was great about this one. This was probably the highest ratio of like different distilleries, or if I've gone to craft beer ones, breweries, to people there from that place. Yeah. So they actually know the product they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And give you backstory on the whole thing. And that makes it a more intimate setting. It felt like a very intimate event, which was awesome, both because of the total amount of people there and how many people there were representatives of their brand. Right. Which enhances the experience dramatically. Right. But we, and there was, there was actually a nice mix of that because we did go into the VIP section and there was just the one guy who just had no business, <laughs> no business well, doing this, but he was fun. In the VIP, all of them were not brand representatives. Right. But, the guy that we ended up like hanging around and trying a bunch of stuff from, he was at least chill. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was fun. No, he was cool. That's fine. You know, I, that that's also a, a bonus when uh, the person, if they don't know what they're talking about, is at least cool and like is engaging with you because they know that they don't have anything to sell. Which of these twelve should I try? I would suggest these three because I've tried them. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was his goal there. That was that was good. Now uh, they did make up for it with several of the VIP whiskeys being. Just delicious, like the Basil Hayden's. Oh yeah, Ooh. Ooh. was that ride oh, delightful? Anyone who is a fan of the show, if you happened to want to buy me a birthday present, which is in November, <laughs> you can buy me. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was that was quite nice. That was probably the my favorite thing that I got to try that night. That Basil Hayden dry. That was a ooh, that was amazing. Um, a lot of a lot of really good stuff there. Uh, super fun, and we'll definitely be doing that again. Yes. So let's get to the downside of the trip. Oh boy. Specifically. Oh boy. The lift ride from hell. Yeah. So we get now we're we're what should be forty five minutes away. We were, yeah. No we, traffic. It should be forty five minutes away. But we were doing this trip during the height of rush hour. Right. Which is fine. Under, understandably, that there's going to be you know some time added. No big deal. Although, although all, all told, the ride wasn't offensively long for the time uh like, no it wasn't it did feel like an eternity but it, it, no it was a very long ride but considering the distance and where we were going and when we were going right it, it could have been worse it could have been a lot worse but it was supposed to be about 45 minutes uh and we called a lift well first we tried to call an uber and it was significantly more than a lift it was like 50 percent more <laughs> which was yes. just absurd and we're just like well no. So we call, <laughs> we call the lift. It's um, Then they do that thing where, like, the driver is spinning around for quite some time in circles. And you're like, like it's like your driver will be here in 13 minutes. But the first five minutes, he hasn't actually moved. Yeah. So eventually he shows up 15 minutes later. So we waited we did, a decent amount of time. We waited for this ride. I mean, realistically, he was probably about eight minutes away um, from where I saw him on the map. But it took him 15 well, minutes. Well, I mean, it gives there. you an expected, you yeah. know. Arrival and we, I mean it, it probably undersold it by like 
three minutes. I guess it's like 12 Maybe. minutes. And it took him like 15, 16 minutes. So that's not too bad. Yeah. So 15 minutes to get there, we, we get in the car and he starts pulling away. And he goes, oh, oh, <laughs> you're going to Paramus. Oh, that's like 50 minutes. I'm like, yeah, yeah. says it, says it there. Says, Said it when we ordered it. Says fifty minutes. <laughs> uh, can you guys call another car? Now, my no! hundred <laughs> yards away from me. Right. The, the worst part about this is we're in the car and on the way, <laughs> and he requests that we call another vehicle. Not gonna happen. Like he started slowing down to pull over, just on the street, up the road from your house. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not gonna happen. And he was complaining relentlessly. For 15 minutes? Oh, longer than that. Longer than that? Um, but he was... Our ride ended up being just short of an hour and a half. Eventually, and... he stopped asking questions. But while he was asking questions of, like, can you call another ride? Oh, like, how am I going to get there? Oh, it's going to take forever. Oh, I have someplace to be. I'm like, it's a, like, it's a car service. <laughs> you said which the is, words to which is, Yeah. He's like, but it's 15 minutes away. But you're a car service. <laughs> and I called... For ride, <laughs> so, and I guess you couldn't argue with that logic. So instead, he muttered for the next fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh, he was he was complaining for easily the first thirty minutes. So it got to the point where I mean, this guy was yeah, he was he was being a real, real piece of work, and it got to the point where I was I was actually I don't know if you realize you probably could tell I get I'm very uncomfortable like in a situation like that. I'm just I was like so frustrated. So my well, what I it's ended like, up it's doing, like, it's like this like uncomfortable like confrontation, like yeah. battle of wills with someone when you're paying them for their service, right? Right, like not the other way around. I and you, so I'm just like it gets to the point where like, hey, like the three of us are getting together to have like a really good time, and this is really putting a damper on things. So I just started asking Jay questions loudly to just diffuse it. Yes, we started <laughs> like, having not related. a very loud, awkward. Like random ass conversation for about twenty minutes while he was trying to pipe in occasionally and ask us the three of us how to get to there. use each of our own phones yeah. to find out how to get there. He's like, "Well, how do we get here?" I was like, "I don't know." The I've GPS never been is there. right there. It's literally on. It says go forward. So maybe do that. You piece of shit. <laughs> What's the problem here? <laughs> oh man, that was brutal. But eventually, so we start talking loud enough to drown him out, <laughs> and then finally. I think he realizes, oh, right, I'm going to be in the car with these guys for a while. So he starts making small talk. And we're we're kind of getting on the same page. We're talking a little bit with him. It's going all right. Then the traffic starts. <laughs> and it's it, we start to go back into the whole bitching and moaning. And it's like, dude, you're in it now. Like, you, you, you were, like, you were in it the first there. time you asked. <laughs> But you're really in it now. <laughs> I I mean, absolutely not. Like, like there's no changing it. You're going to take us to our destination. And he's, like, bitching and moaning about getting back. And it's like, but, but you're a car service. <laughs> and that's At the one only- point, he got the first couple of words out. And, like, I had, like, this moment of, like, foresight where I saw where the sentence was going, even though he didn't get there yet. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of cut him off because the sentence he was going to say was, do you think I could drop you somewhere and you could get another one like halfway through the ride? Yeah, that wasn't going to happen either. Uh, I don't. Here's the thing. I understand that 
maybe you don't know you you might not know exactly where you're going we did find out later from our next uber driver that if well our next lyft driver that if it's over 45 minutes it alerts you of that before you take it so fuck this guy um the he just grabbed a fare and didn't care to think of what but he had all the time he had 15 minutes driving right. to us to figure right. out oh hey i'm not on board with this right which totally would have understood you also i come to find out later you can say what direction you're going in so he can fare his way home yeah so really not a big deal and i have a real big problem with people that don't do their jobs so this is so this is just a oh this is just a nightmare like just nightmare cocktail <laughs> it was horrible and the car i didn't i wasn't 100% sure the car was going to make it there was that um, we were joking about how rubbernecking causes ridiculous amounts of traffic. In our case, it was. The accident was on the other side of the goddamn parkway. <laughs> and, yeah. and our all, all three of our lanes were completely free. And as soon as we passed it, we sped up. But if you notice, he like slammed on his brakes and basically got up and turned around to look. And I'm like, you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Uh, so then he... We finally we, we finally get close and then it just starts to just start to straight up monsoon. It's it's ridiculous. Rain's coming down, the lightning's crashing, it's ridiculous. And we finally get there and he's like, Do you think they'll let me use the bathroom? And it's like, sure. It's not my place, guy. I don't know. Also, we're here now and this transaction is over. Yeah, it was great because we, like, tried to get out of the car and leave as fast as possible. And, of course, we walked towards the wrong entrance. Mm-hmm. So then we ended up walking with him, like, two steps behind us the whole way. And it was a long walk to get uh, in. And I was like, please don't start talking to us again. Please don't start talking yeah, to like, us again. Yeah, was definitely – I was definitely speeding up. Once we got through the first door, I was very excited. I was like, oh, my God, we're free of this guy. And then the guy's like, yeah, it's in the other building. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But then after that, it all went away, and we drank copious amounts of whiskey. Oh, yeah, from then on, Ugh. the night was fantastic. And the lift ride home, very pleasant. Very pleasant. I dozed, I dozed off for a little bit. We had a few we got questions. back and smoked, we smoked a cigar. Like, yeah. it was a great time. It was, it, was, it was all good. I guess, it, you know what happened, what this guy did for us? He started it out so bizarre and low that it, it was all rise from, from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, the override home was actually forty five minutes, which was wonderful because yes, because after after how many ounces of whiskey, you don't want to be in the car that long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were there was some moments where it was touch and go. Anyway, we're gonna be doing that again. Yes, that's I it's, to it. and I I encourage all of you to do the same. So moving on to our. First story. This one's going to be very quick. I've got I've got a lot of very quick ones. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rapid fire through these, and okay. I'm going to let you take over news and nuggets. Uh, well, I mean, a couple of mine are pretty quick too. So we can okay. wrap. We can fire through one side or the other, or we can alternate some too. All right. Well, if yours are quick too, let's alternate. So let's start off with the with with this one. This one's real dumb. I came across an article. It's like Avatar sequels. What we know so far. And I just saw the headline, and I was like, I don't care. And I moved on. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'm. When those movies come out, I will watch them. But See, the thing is, they're not then, coming out until stop. 2037. So yes. So 2035, when they start the promotional material, I'll be excited. Right. It, it's ridiculous. It's because they've been talking about these sequels forever where it's gone on so long, there's no way 
this movie's not terrible. <laughs> I just don't see it. It's not, it's, not, it's not that they can't be not terrible. It's just that there's zero percent chance they live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's just I, I just have such a negative. I actually I very much enjoyed watching the first one, but I, I at this point it's just like yeah at that point it was um it was prominent it was there you told me about sequels I'm excited, and then five years pass and they're like yeah we're gonna do sequels and then another ten years pass and they're like they're coming <laughs> and you're just like stop and like we're gonna do seven more movies it's like relax get get another one out and then we'll it's, talk it's become game of thrones oh my god it's ridiculous anyway i didn't even read the article it's just said what we know so far and i just said nothing and i scrolled past it. <laughs> that's that's that the next the next quick one i have here is a friend of the show sent in an article damien about about uh Superman and how Henry Cavill will no longer be playing Superman and the first thing that came to mind was oh my god we did it <laughs> and I was like if I open this article and Army Hammer is playing Superman I'm gonna lose my goddamn mind <laughs> it wasn't the case but it's still hashtag possible hm <laughs> Hammer Cavill it's still possible I'm just saying I was I was when I, mean, I saw the article I'm pretty sure he's younger than him so anything's possible <laughs> I was I was blown away i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah that uh, was actually one of my news i figured it would be one of yours too what's yeah what, what's interesting about that though is uh henry cavill is going on to play gerald or Geralt or however you say his name in the witcher Geralt from Geralt. Uh, witcher, yeah and, i had uh, seen something maybe a month ago saying that he was interested in it and it seems like that is become a like a real thing it is going to happen he's signed on to do it yeah. Uh, it's a Netflix production. Yes, yeah, which is awesome. And I, it's funny because I've, I see The Witcher come around. I tried playing it. I think I tried playing The Witcher three like three or four separate times, and I, for whatever reason, I couldn't get. I wasn't in the mood to get invested, like to throw like forty, fifty, eighty hours into. No, a it's game. an investment game, yeah. And I like so I every time I've started it, I just kind of doing like, eh. And then I get that. Uh, I got that whole Westworld thing where. Started again, started again, and it's like, ooh, if I go back to this, I can't start where I left off because I literally don't remember, and I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> so I just gave up. But I've never played any of them, but they do. I, I know a lot of people love them. And yeah, it does look big. like the type of thing I might enjoy. I just I've never, I've never played. It's just that the the subject matter seems like something that I would be very much into and would enjoy. So I'm like, oh. I'm, a TV series or movie like that that might help. I know there's yeah. uh, there's a series of books I believe from Poland. If I I mean I could be completely wrong about where they're from. I think that's oh, the really? case. And I don't know if this is going to be based directly off the books or what. I didn't look that far into it, but I'll definitely watch it. I don't need, I actually don't even need any more information about it. I'm interested. Uh, I would have watched it if Army Hammer. Army Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, actually, uh, I I'll probably dig into a little background on the lore um but it, i would be willing to give the show a shot actually yeah i want a reshoot of the scene from Step Brothers of the interview process <laughs> with henry cavill and then army hammers behind him and he just doesn't really <laughs> know now hello miss lady <laughs> <laughs> that'd be wonderful all right jump on in jump on in what do you got Okay, so I saw a couple of trailers when I saw, mm. hopefully, 
next week's episode, Operation Finale, dun, dun, dun. Uh, I saw a couple of trailers that I haven't seen them yet. So oh, I was like, nice. hey, that's coming. I love that. So one of them was for a movie called Widows, which I had heard of a while back and forgot about because I hadn't seen much of. Um, but this is a loaded cast um, and behind the camera loaded as well. Um, so it is starring Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Carrie Coon, Colin Farrell, Robert Duvall, Daniel Kaluuya. So hmm. pretty, pretty good. Oh, a lot up there. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Steve McQueen, who did yeah. 12 Years a Slave, mm-hmm. amongst other things. And the screenplay was written by him and Gillian Flynn, author of the books Gone Girl and right. Sharp Objects, which is the show on HBO that everyone's been talking about this summer. And uh, actually, my favorite of her books was um, Dark Places, which okay. I think they did a direct-to-video movie. Even though it had a good cast, it was Charlize Theron and... Corey Stoll and Chloe Grace Moretz, I think. Okay. Maybe a couple other people. Definitely a couple other people. I just don't remember who. Um, <laughs> that was it. That was the entire cast. Yes. No, there was a no, very like, powerful delivery like, that, that you would recognize. <laughs> right. No, I understand. Um, but she's now, I guess, doing screenwriting because she wrote or co-wrote this movie with Steve McQueen, who's directing it. Um, but yeah, I saw this. Um, this trailer is seems to be a little spoilery of the ma- subject matter itself, but <laughs> I think it. it was no, no. I think it was fairly unavoidable. Okay. Because of the nature of the movie, give me a give me an old school in a world trailer, and just give a little voiceover, a couple of clips. Don't just and, and just stay away. Okay, so I'm just going to give you... I can't do that and do what I'm going to do for you. So the movie's called Widows. Mm. And I named you a bunch of famous men and women. Sure. If you put two and two together, you realize that the trailer might be spoilery. Gotcha. Okay. So then not really that spoilery. No, it's just that when you consider the nature of some of the men... I mean, if you read the synopsis, is it just the premise? Uh, I didn't read the synopsis. No, I just assume that it... Widows is the story of... Four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities. So, like I said, the nature of the movie, fairly spoilery. Okay. <clears throat> uh, set in contemporary Chicago, amid a time of turmoil, tensions build when Veronica, Viola Davis, Alice, Elizabeth Debicki, Linda, Michelle Rodriguez, and Belle, Cynthia Arrivo, who I'm not familiar with, take their fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. So, basically, they're men... Their husbands, whatever, are all a criminal outfit, um, and it seems that they all die. Mm -hmm. And the women join up together to pay off the debt left behind by the men. Uh, I think they're all indebted to Robert Duvall, who is not looking great, honestly. But then I looked him up, and he's 87 years old, so he can be forgiven that. Didn't realize he was that old. Poor went out for the homie. Well, he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, widows. <laughs> great transition. Yeah, I, I'm interested in this movie. The trailer okay. looked cool. It sounds interesting. I like the people in the movie. I like the people who made the movie. 
So I'm curious to see it. Sold. Check out the trailer when you get a chance. Yeah. Um, speaking of people who are alive but someone else killed, um, in conversation. Okay. The way the way you just did with Robert Duvall. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to a interview yesterday or the day before on the Dan Levitard show with Keegan Michael Key, nice. who is starring in the very imminent The Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons he's starring in it is because as a teenager he saw the original and was a huge fan of it. Nice. So it's been a passion of his to be in that movie. It's like That's when you hear some awesome. I love that. It, it's like when you hear someone super passionate about Star Wars get cast in a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a huge fan. And the guys on that show are a huge fan. So they got him on. He's a funny guy. They do fun, funny interviews. They had him on a couple of months ago. They had a good time. So they said, hey, when we're getting back up to the time the movie's coming out, let's have you on again. So they had him on again. And it was a very entertaining interview because it's Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah, right. Um, and during it, he accidentally killed the actor Bill Duke because he thought he confused Bill Duke with another actor. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I wasn't bringing up was not so much the fact – that was just the perfect segue, accidentally killing someone like that. That's I great. brought it up just because it was a great interview about a movie, an older movie, that shouldn't be regarded as well as it is because mm-hmm. it's kind of a ridiculous action movie fighting oh, yeah. an alien – in the woods, 100%. jungle, whatever. Um, but I, what I took from the interview, once they got a little bit more serious, was uh, King Michael keep breaking down because he's like a super fan. Like I guess what what happened was is he was a huge fan of a couple of characters in it. Um, one of them being Shane Black, who is directing the project. Right. Um, and so they asked him why such a dumb movie resonates so well, and. I found his answer to be really cool and you should check out the interview itself, but I'm going to give you a synopsis of it. Basically what he said was think about any of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies specifically during his big run. I know. So you'll, (laughs) I know how well you're acquainted you are with it. And that's why I thought you might find this interesting, especially his movies in the eighties and nineties. Right. Um, and the one he specifically brought up in to compare and contrast with commando. Boom. (laughs) And he said the whole time he's kind of winking at the camera, delivering the one-liners. It's yep. cheesy. It's fun. And there's one-liners and there's some cheesy fun in the, in Predator. But in Predator, you see Arnold Schwarzenegger scared. Hmm. You never see Arnold Schwarzenegger scared in any of those movies. If he had a right to be scared, it was Commando because it was him against a lot of dudes. Right. And you're never worried. He but never he's just walking around cool. with like a machine gun and a rocket launcher. Just ripping it off, like Straight killing up dual everyone. wielding, yeah. <laughs> like like, like it at the camera, and yeah. in the Predator, it's oh shit! All these big tough dudes, they get scared, they break down. You know, there's some real like you can put yourself in those guys' shoes, and he, him, even though he you know he has a line like that's one ugly motherfucker. It wasn't done winking at the camera. Mm-hmm. There's real fear there. It's not a ha ha ha. Look at this ugly. Fucker. That's a, it's, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool thing. It's like, huh, that's a great point. I, I like that. Of that. That's awesome. And just kind of this whole thing about the building of tension by John McTiernan, who we talked about uh, before. He had done Die Hard, this and that. And he was describing, they, they call in movie making business, a block movie, like a whole movie taking place on one block. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a it's not like city block. It's in the woods. And the woods seems huge, but it's a tiny area. It's a claustrophobic area of the woods. 
the whole thing takes place there and it's this pressure cooker type of movie, how long it takes to get to the predator showing up and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so even though the movie, especially recently it seems has turned into a, a meme where it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers doing the handshake thing. And yep. the two of them are clearly flexing their biceps as they're doing. That's become like a big meme recently, I think. Um, like it, there's so much cheese like that. Like yeah. you know, these like, like jacked up like guys on steroids fucking like oiled up for some of these scenes <laughs> but there's real movie making behind it yeah no that's 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 great I, I really like that i'm now remind me is this new movie a direct sequel to the second one or the first i believe one? it's a direct sequel to the first one uh, okay so is it it's ignoring everything else i think so okay because i did want to go back and rewatch. And I don't want to get myself confused, so I'm just going to rewatch the first one. I'd have to double check, but I believe uh, back from when I heard that they were making this uh, first, um, I believe it's supposed to be a direct sequel to the first one. I, I think they're. I think the first two are available on HBO right now, which is convenient. I'm not sure. I never actually saw all of the second one. In fact, I've only seen specifically the last like 20 or 30 minutes of the second one. Oh, really? Like start to finish. From like him getting into the ship, or even slightly before that, to the end. Uh, okay. It's the only part of the movie I've seen, and I've seen it two or three times. Yeah, it's like the last only- ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen it in a very long time. I remember enjoying it. I remember being terrified by the subway sequences. Does and not like, mean it. And to there's me. like a concept, like a, in my mind, there's this concept of like, what if the like, the lights go out on the subway occasionally? It gets scary, but. What if there was a predator on the subway? <laughs> like that's that's more terrifying. And I almost I, put out my beer. <laughs> I gotta say, like every time it happens, I'm not I'm not legitimately scared. It does cross my mind. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was an, a joke in an episode of Archer. Is they it? go they go into the jungle in South America, and it's early on when Cyril is tasked with becoming a field agent alongside Archer and Lana. Lana. So, the three of them go, they're supposed to snatch a drug kingpin in Colombia or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because there's like a huge reward from Interpol or something like that. And the three of them get dropped in there. And Archer and Lana are just like, we've done a million snatch and grabs. We're just going to go in and do it. Meanwhile, Cyril formerly was the accountant of the, of the, uh, of what used to be known as ISIS uh, before the terrorist organization existed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was awkward. They had to like do that with the one of the new seasons at the time. They like just showed suddenly showed them rolling the sign out of the thing. That's great. And I've never referred to it as such since. Um, so <laughs> Cyril is thinking about it all from that. He's got the bare minimum training of field, uh, like field training stuff, and he's reading all the the dossier on this guy, and he's reading the organizational structure and all the the best. Of the financials that they could generate and all this stuff. So he knows all this stuff and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's dressed like a 1930s, like Saharan expedition. <laughs> yeah. And other two are in like camo and like, <laughs> like bandoliers and like, you know, machine guns and stuff like that. And so they're walking through the jungle and he's still reading like organizational charts and stuff on this like huge drug conglomerate. And Archer's like, listen, this is what you really got to, you know, look around this and that because. He's reading and he almost steps across a, like a booby-trapped tripwire. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, shit, okay. So they're walking a little further on. And Archer and Lana are doing their thing where they're quibbling back and forth. 
and he turns to say something to Cyril and ask if he's still paying attention, and Cyril's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like, where the hell did he go? I don't know. He just disappeared. You're like, what do you mean? You can't just disappear. Like, he's got to be on the trail. You know, this and that. He's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then he gets silent, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's just looking around, and he goes, she goes, are you looking for Predator? <laughs> and he goes, I mean, come on, we're in the middle of the jungle. She's like, there's no such thing as Predator. Goes, That's amazing. You're not going to see Predator. He goes, of course you're not. He's got uh, camo- <laughs> the active camouflage or whatever. Goes, yeah, yeah so there's no good. such thing as an invisible Predator. Well, he's not invisible. He's got the trademark shiver or the waver of uh, yeah. the, around him because like, he's got active camouflage. That's so good. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this movie. We're gonna have to uh, do that one. It, that's oh, no. soon. That's this Friday day. Yes, I it comes out. So maybe like we're probably talking like two episodes from now, potentially. Bug just flew in my beer. What? Bug just flew in my beer. Eh. Adds a little spice. So the next less. quick story I have here is is just on the Joker. There were some photos released of um, not like set photos or anything like that, just of Joaquin Phoenix. And how he looks right now, like in preparation for the role. And he terrifyingly looks like some of the drawings of the Joker to the point where I'm like, all right, you finally you finally gave me something to be like a little bit interested in because it's it's creepy. And it's like it reminds me of one of those really good um, fan arts that I've seen of of him, like standing behind Harley. And it's like he's got like the creepy, like just the like the gaunt look like he's he looks he looks like him. Like if you just like. Imagine him with like a white white face paint on, like, and it, it reminds me like, of the creepiest versions of the Joker. So I feel like I feel like Michael in I guess it's Godfather Three where he says they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> I try to get out and they keep pulling me back in, and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, I, I mean, we I'm gonna watch it, but uh, that that gave me the, that was the first thing that it gave me that I was like, ooh, okay. Like if he's gonna if he's gonna start looking like the Joker, like we're we're getting somewhere. And he's he's pretty weird that guy. So he can get nuts in that in that role. So I don't wanna. I know, I know, I understand. You're gonna make me. I'm gonna make you. Uh, the next thing I have on here, real quick, is shitty TVs, and that came from a quick little article that I wrote. Read. I did not write it. <laughs> I read it. Uh, this came from The Verge. It was Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson are talking to TV makers about, like, killing the, um, the like, basically all the enhancements, like the motion smoothing and stuff like that. Okay. That it, So, basically, what they want is on all these high-end TVs, they would like there to be an option for reference mode so that the material that you're viewing is exactly what they expect it to be when they print it. They're they're having a hard time with how their movies look on a high end television after they've done all this incredible work to it, and I totally get that. I, Sorry, I've, this is going way over my head. Well, if you watch, if you throw, uh, you, well, you don't have a you don't have a four K TV, do you? I do not. So if you watch, uh, if you watch a movie in four K HDR, a lot of the TVs will have something silly turned on. I like. Um, I forget what Samsung's is called. I think it's like it, it's like UHD plus or something like that. And then um, LG has one as well. Basically, what they do is they there's just like there's extra processing that goes on top to try and enhance the image even more than it already is. And okay. when you do that with things that are of low quality, 
it does it can add a little something it could bring it up it can make it a little nicer but when you do it to something that is already highly produced you start to get this funniness to it like this like okay things start to blur like they they do like motion smoothing which like it it, it creates like these like weird blur effects it's kind of hard to you have to see it i'm sure you could find videos of it side by side um if you have one of these tvs you probably know exactly what i'm talking about but it's it's a little much sometimes and like to the point where like there's i'll put on a movie that i'm super like excited to watch again and like super high res and i will tweak the video on my screen for a while just to get it not looking so funky like it, it looks like it, too much work it always looks good I, f- I finally have a preset that i really enjoy but i totally get that and i would love i do want to see it the way that they like that the director intended for it to be seen i would much rather have an option to where i could flip for that and i realize there's different things to consider like the ambient light in the room and things like that but you could get closer to it out of the box like it doesn't have to be so skewed okay so i just think that's a that's a cool concept and i mean there are movie modes on tvs like you could just flip it into movie mode and that that does help a little bit it warms it up a bit it takes away some of that extra processing but it's it adds some other things and i just i never know if i'm getting it exactly how it should be looking and for someone that really really wants to see it that way it could be a little frustrating so i i I saw that and i was like yes please give me that option (laughs) because i would (laughs) love that so that i don't have to figure it out the less time i have to spend on it the better would you like to jump in with a nugget? I have one final new slash nugget. Nugget. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, this is another trailer that I saw before Operation Finale. Sorry, blanked on what the movie was for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie is called Hunter Killer. Okay. Have you heard of this? Uh, no. This I had not heard of this prior to seeing this trailer. Um, Hunter Killer is an old school type of submarine movie. Oh. Which, it's funny, um, we were talking about, last week I said on the show that I was watching The Sum of All Fears, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Clancy. Begrudgingly. Um, begrudgingly. We were talking about the Jack Ryan show that's out on amazon prime when i was uh, over by you and then um my cousin mike who i'm sure is listening to this um asked me the other day if i had watched it because he knows that i'm a big clancy fan um and i had said that i have not seen it yet because i'm very hesitant to watch anything because they've ruined the character of jack ryan the last 10 years 15 and however many um they've just completely missed the purpose and point of that character mm-hmm. um but anyone who knows anything about Clancy, if you are a big fan of Clancy like I am, um, you know that all of his work in the 80s and 90s featured, to some degree or other, some of them, a lot of it, Cold War submarine battles. Mm-hmm. And so I am excited for this movie. Because <laughs> I'm all about that. If you enjoy those movies, Hunt for Red October, all of those um then you are familiar with how suspenseful and cool those types of stories can be. Or even if you just like something like Crimson Tide, uh, which is a really good movie uh, in the mid-90s. Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman, all that. Uh, So this movie stars Linda Cardellini, Gerard Butler, Gary Oldman, Toby Stevens, Michael Nyquist, Common, and others. Common. There he is. (laughs) Um, And 
I'm kind of excited for this because a couple of reasons. One, submarine battles. Two, mm-hmm. I like a nice action movie when it seems self-aware of what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's something we've discussed recently. Uh, the problem with some of these big budget action movies is they take themselves too seriously. And it seems like this one might not. Okay. Or at least it seems like a throwback to those dumb 90 ones, which know that they're being cheesy, so they lean into it. Yeah. And there doesn't really seem to be a lot of that. I guess, to a certain extent, the Fast and the Furious movies have come back around on that. Because in For the middle, sure. they, they were not. They were they were not self-aware. They were too serious. No, now, now they know. It seems like they've come back around on that. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that, there hasn't been many of those recently, and this seems like it might fit the bill. It could end up being just terrible, because the problem is they can lean too far into it, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I'm a little curious about this movie. It's kind of it funny, seems... though, that, that you say that, because it, it's something I've been thinking about lately. Like, there's... Sometimes they're, everything, like, they take, it too, they take it too seriously, or they're going so dark and bleak and realistic that it just... It's not enjoyable to watch. Like I'm not, I'm not always going. I'm not going to the movies necessarily for realism. <laughs> like it's more of an escape. So like the other, I was thinking about. This well, it the depends other. on what. It depends on what it is. Sure. Like if I'm going for instance, like a Operation Finale is a very serious movie that takes itself seriously, but it's a real story yeah. that is super serious. And that's and that's when I that's when I most want that. Yeah. But when I'm like, if you are giving me. A very made-up like action movie. I really it does not need to be that serious. It does not need to be super like so dark that you just feel terrible afterwards. And I was thinking about video games recently and how, as of like over the past couple of years, I've lost a taste for like the hyper realistic things, like a hyper realistic shooter or uh, almost like a movie like very story movie driven type game. Because I realize I really want that experience from an actual film, not from a not from a video game, and I'm just not enjoying myself in that world because it's I, I kind of remember I, I grew up on them being cartoony and like the days of old and like really fun like just like pastimes good like a good time and I recently got rid of my systems as you know and I got a switch and I, oh, I didn't lo- know you got rid of both I thought you just got rid of the Xbox no I got rid of both and I got a switch and I love it and it's like I'm I've come back around like I really you know it's a, one it's way more accessible to be able to just be like you know I'm gonna go like kick back while something's on and play or like play in any room or whatever like that's that's super convenient but the types of games are really what's what's really fun for me I'm enjoying this very not realistic games that I'm playing like Mario and rabbits like like things like that like it's it's super fun. It's just goofy, and sometimes you just like I. There's too much like that's trying too hard. Like Call of Duty, I'm not interested in anymore. Yeah, um, I haven't been since Modern Warfare Three. Something like a, an Assassin's Creed game. I'm like, what? I'm obviously not talking realistic at this point, but like, tr- like the visually, it's realistic. It's trying to do like super intricate systems, things like that. And I feel I feel this way towards some of these movies. Where okay. like they're trying to do like this, this super real impact thing, and it's just like I don't, I don't always need that. Take a step back. I'm glad they got out of that with Fast and Furious movies because the goofiness is is 
really solid <laughs> in the last couple. <laughs> yeah. Specifically the last one. I actually, I know a lot of people love the seventh one. Didn't really do much for me. No, the, the last one I like much more. Yeah, I thought the eighth one was better because yeah. it it knew what it was. Yeah, a hundred percent. It was it was good. I mean, even in the in the scenes that are meant to be serious, they I think they realize okay, let's push this and make it over the top. Yeah, which it, that that makes it work with the rest of the theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so I'm I'm vaguely curious about this movie. It comes I'm out down. at the end of October. It might end up being a trash fire, but. I'm hoping it's going to be an entertaining trash okay. fire at the least. Sometimes you need a bad one. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need a good time. Uh, <laughs> the next thing that I have here is very, very quick. The There's the, a Blu-ray trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. Have you, have you seen this? Um, I think have, I did. Have you seen the fan outrage about it? No. So at the very, very end of the trailer when they show the movie in the box... The box, the box fades away, <laughs> and people are just like, "Fuck you! <laughs> You've already hurt me enough with Avengers." <laughs> oh, I don't think I noticed that. I and saw the tr- just, I saw the I saw the commercial one time, and I don't think I was paying attention to what was on. So just just watch it. It's very very subtle, but it's totally like a like a trolling move on Marvel's part. <laughs> the little Easter egg. Yeah, it's it's really it, that's really funny. I'm just like, yeah, go, just just do it. Just keep just keep making people angry. Like you've you've got everybody. You have literally you're holding everybody's money <laughs> because there's uh, no one who's not going to go see it. Speaking of all the fan anger about stuff, I've been encouraged to find out that while, as we suspected, seems to have been confirmed, that the very loud, very angry outrage at Star Wars mm. is definitely. Just a vocal minority. Okay. Because in addition to being like the fifth or fourth like highest grossing movie in theaters ever, it's blowing away everything in Blu-ray sales this year as well. Awesome. And it's doing tremendous video. numbers there. And there's been a lot of <laughs> there's been a bunch of news stories that have been like I hate using the term, but have literally been fake news about people getting fired from Star Wars. Uh, and it is all fake. And none of it's coming from reputable sources. It's mostly being just rumor, like, oh circulated. <laughs> so just to be clear, if anyone's heard any of this misinformation, let me just put it on, like, clearly for you. It is misinformation. Ryan Johnson has gone on and confirmed he's hard at work on the new trilogy he's making. Kathleen Kennedy just recently received a Lifetime Achievement Award for film. Okay. She's still in charge. Awesome. J.J. Abrams, still around. Um, the guys from Game of Thrones, who I always forget their names, they're still coming in to do their stuff. It's all happening. Awesome. Get on board. Get out and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Give up. You're you're done. This is this is how it's gonna be right now for now. <laughs> and it's and I love it. I constructive love criticism. It. Go for it, guys. If you have constructive criticism, yeah. Go for it. All for that. You're free to not like something on the merits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Any other news or nuggets? Um. That is it. Well, with that, shall we dive into our flick of the week? Well, there's one other thing. Ooh. Did I mention a and surprise? And one more thing. Did I mention a surprise? <laughs> well, it's not quite news and nuggets, not quite the movie. It's a kind of an in-between. Did I mention I had a surprise for this episode? Mm, I think you did. You didn't mention anything about it. Dun, dun, dun. So Al is holding up his beer. 
It appears to be ready. It seems to be an owl's ale. Let's do an inaugural taste. No, not without me. Oh, that's terrible. That's just rude. Well, it's open, so I can't not drink it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You made your bed. Ugh, this is brutal. This is actually really difficult to watch because I really want it. I'm going to have to savor the rest of this one. See, that's how a beer is supposed to pour. Good job, Al. That's a nice glass. Thanks, man. I like this one. I've been using this almost exclusively in recent That reminds episodes. me of the old, without the logo, the old Coca-Cola glass. Like, I don't know if kind you remember of. back in the day. It does have the, that similar shape, except this has the kind of like yeah, wide, the wide bottom. Yeah, there's, it's like burned into my memory, though, because it was the... The opening of the original, well, not the original, the 89 Batman, there's a, on the VHS tape, there was a, there was a Coke trailer. I think it was Diet Coke. And it's Alfred. And he's pouring a glass. <laughs> and he's pouring that glass. And that's just seared in my mind for some reason. <laughs> Probably because I watched the movie too many times. <laughs> but that's the association. Every time I see that glass or a glass like that, I just think of Alfred pouring a Diet Coke. <laughs> Speaking of Alfred and Batman, I was reading an interview the other day, and I forgot about this. I meant to tag this for the show, and it was a bunch of people talking about Batman and Robin, the making of. Mm. There was a bunch of interviews recently. There was a bunch of quotes from um, Joel Schumacher, from Chris O'Donnell, from you know a whole bunch of people. It was you know some what a train wreck of a movie, man. <laughs> it's one of those things where like. Like now in the internet age, we we find out some of these things as they're happening or before the movie comes out. So we're mm-hmm. kind of prepped for a movie not being good most of the time now, especially something big like that. Um, but back then, you didn't get that information on the front end. Right. What a fucking train wreck. Look it up. Um, if I can find it later, I'll Al, give it to you and you can edit to Flipboard. We are going to have to talk about We're We're going to have to do that movie one day. Hmm. Like that's it's that's just an unfortunate reality. <laughs> you know yeah. what's really unfortunate today? I wasn't able to see the movie that we wanted to do, so I'm trying to shoot for for next week. So today, what we did, I came downstairs, looked at the movie shelf, and I started running over some things and seeing what can we do without rewatching. Uh, we came across the Princess Bride. I yes, by the way, did... yeah, guys, we we had an hour of prep time for this show. <laughs> yeah, I I actually did. I did have enough time. It's a short movie. I had enough time to rewatch the entire thing beforehand, so I'm, it's very fresh for me. But yeah, I, I didn't. I had other stuff to do. I was trying to consider movie like what's a movie that I could feel comfortable doing without having to rewatch. Unfortunately, I really could do Batman and Robin without rewatching it, and probably give you a scene by scene, which is I not couldn't okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Uh, I I've only ever seen that movie all the way through one time when it first came out. Mm. It's mm. been twenty years since I've actually. Would you like seen one of my many copies? <laughs> no. I'm just gonna start leaving them places in your house, much like the carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's made it onto the show now. Copies of Batman and Robin. Speaking of unfortunate things, uh, I'm unfortunately gonna have a sip of this without you, and I'll let you know how it is. You. Is it? This isn't the pumpkin one, is it? No. Okay. Very tasty. That you're making this weekend? Uh, I believe I'll be making it this weekend. I picked up nice stuff today. I gotta say, it looks really good. Mouth watering. It over wasn't here. what I imagined. Huh? Which isn't to say that it doesn't taste good. 
It's not it just you... wasn't what I expected. Not what you were going for? Although, it is growing on me as it sits on my palate. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be subjected to this any longer. We're going to move on to our <laughs> movie of the week. Very tasty. Oh, no, there it is. There's the rye. I finally found ah. it. Ah. <laughs> You're the oh, worst. Yeah. This, is, this is tasty. <laughs> I hate you so much. Can't wait to have that. Uh, I gotta so, pace myself. I almost drank half of it right there. I see that. You're just chugging it away. Our flick of the week is The Princess Bride. And it's just, it is just a straight up classic. Now, I'm gonna pause right here. This movie came out in 1987. So here is your one and only spoiler warning. We're in it. Stop. Wait, hang on a second. Well, we can do the spoiler warning. I know I've been dominating sections of this episode. I have a story that ties oh, okay. into this. And I did tell you that before. When we decided you, the movie, you told me that you have the story. You didn't tell me what the story was. No, I did not. I have a story for you, and now right. is as good a time as anyone. Let's so, do it. Let's open up the show. We will not use any names here. Not that I expect this episode to make it to the principles <laughs> of the story. Okay. So, those of you who are listening, familiar with the movie and its characters and its actors. There is a person who works with my dad who is very similar in appearance to Andre the Giant. Okay. Um, he, this guy is at least 6'8", if not taller. And very large in, mm-hmm. in build as well. Black hair that he keeps fairly long. He looks pretty like Andre the Giant. Okay. He enunciates is better than him. Enunciates better than he does. Okay. You can understand him more clearly, but he does have an accent. I'm not sure exactly what the accent is. I'm not entirely sure where he's from. I know his first name. I forget his last name, but I'm not going to say it on the show. His name does start with an A, though. Okay. It's not Andre, but it starts with an A. So. I worked at this company for a while. I did a couple summer internships there several years ago, and I met this guy. He wasn't there the first summer I was there. He was there the second summer I was there, and he's been there since. My dad started calling him Andre the Giant. <laughs> of not course, to of his course face. your dad did. Not to his face. And he was doing it for a while amongst some of the people that he was close with at work. And... <laughs> like oh i'm gonna like one day i'm gonna be like does anybody want a peanut behind his back oh my <laughs> god see? that's so good i actually i have that line written down because that is a thing that i say a lot for no reason at all it's a great well part anybody of it is because jason siegel does it in is it in forgetting sarah marshall he, he does it in forgetting sarah marshall yep um, oh wait is it that yeah or is it um it might be how i met your mother no, actually, I, I was between Forgetting Sarah Marshall or I Love You, Man. It's one of those two. Hmm. I think it might actually be I Love You, Man. It might be I Love You, Man. So this was going on for a long time. <laughs> and one time, my dad, I don't know if he was talking to him or talking in front of him with someone else. Not like that he was in the background. Like He was like kind of like it was a three-way conversation. Yeah, yeah. And he accidentally called him. Andre like caught himself <laughs> in the act. That's of so good. It. You got to know that's gonna happen. You can't pull. You can't be doing that for that long. It's gonna. I backfire. told him this forever. I'm like, you're gonna fucking accidentally do it one of these yep. days. Yeah. So he does it, and the guy immediately goes, 
I knew it. I knew you'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Was he upset? I mean, he laughed it off, but you I gotta think he own won. that. What? You gotta own that. I mean, come on, you can't not know. Yeah, uh, he, I think he he was a little irritated about it, but I think there was that moment of vindication and realizing like it was funny because like my dad started laughing. I gotta be honest. Like, if I, I mean, maybe it's just me. And that I would I would own that. Yeah, I would be perfectly fine with that being my nickname. Yeah. Also, yeah, because he, I absolutely. He, I think movie. he did ultimately laugh it off. But the thing is, overall, the, him and my dad don't really have a great working relationship. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's so um, great. It's a little antagonistic at times, I think. But Andre, I mean, <laughs> the giant. Basically, I mean, uh, anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah. Um, but my dad, when he came home that day, told me about this confrontation, and, and I almost it. fucking lost it. Yeah, and... that's that's fantastic. I love it. The. <sighs> Great character in this movie, though. Yes. So this movie is one of those ones like. So when I was way younger, rewatched it again as a teenager, and like it was like this is, this is one of my jams, and like I I know this movie start to finish, like, very like very clearly, but I still wanted to rewatch it, just because I, I wanted to too. I just didn't have enough time. Yeah, I I just I love it so much. It's one of those movies that it's just a it's a straight up classic and it's the exact type of movie where you watch it and you go they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't. And th- no one no one ha- like just it just hasn't happened. And I I don't I'm kind of curious what that's about. Is it that like, nobody wants what, to? Depends on like what lens you The thing is when they're making it. Mhm. I guess, I mean, it came out before I was born, so it's not like I remember. Right. I don't think it was a super hyped, like, it wasn't a big budget or, like, super well-promoted movie. To It's become something of a cult classic. It's one of those movies that, like, like no one knew that it was coming as, like, this sort of success. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least that's my understanding. I guess I could be wrong because, like I said, I no, wasn't. I think, I think you're right. I don't remember it being like a highly regarded movie. Yeah, no. I it, know it I'm more as it like a cult The budget classic. was 16 million. Opening weekend was 200,000. The total gross was 30 million. So they doubled their budget. So it was a profitable movie. 30 million, though, in 1987. This isn't like it's 1957. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's not a huge number. The, no. This movie. Is a movie that became like a cult classic based on just people falling in love with it upon watching it, and it's one of those lightning in a bottle type movies where you don't know, like you think you're making a good movie, sure, but you don't know you're making an all timer. That's 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 fair. I'm just saying in general, you don't get this style. Like it's, I I understand like technology has come a long way, cameras have come a long way, so you're not going to get the aesthetic unless you actually are going back and trying to film something in a retro style. You won't get that. Yeah. Uh, the acting, this is one of the things that really stood out to me, especially this time I was watching because I was really trying to like scrutinize like every scene as I watched it. They are, it's it's more of like a theater production than a motion picture. Uh, yes, at times it does feel that way. And every every delivery of every line is not, it's not, it's, it's so like deliberate, deliberately delivered, but it doesn't feel that way. And it's, well, the thing the thing that's great about it is they I think they found a way to pick their spots, and it's 
there's an ebb and flow to it. It's part of what makes it such a perfect movie is that there are some lines delivered very seriously in a serious manner, and there are other ones where the scene fits it better to be a little cheesy, and that's what they lean into. Yeah. Like, we were talking about that a little earlier where it's like a movie that takes itself seriously and it is serious versus a movie that is cheesy and it's self-aware of that. This movie did both of those things and it picked its spots. Yeah, and well, that's the, what I love about that, though, is how natural that seems to happen in the scene. Yes, it doesn't feel inconsistent. It's yeah. there's a natural flow to it. You, because what I feel like, what I've realized while I was watching it was, like, this movie, I feel like, when written and framed, was a fantasy comedy. But the stories are compelling enough that you had such good actors portraying the characters that you actually got real emotion and a lot of raw emotion in certain scenes that you wouldn't expect it in. I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead real quick for one in particular. There's a scene at the end of the movie where <laughs> before Inigo gets stabbed and this little gets the, the knife thrown at him. The six-fingered man goes behind the door and closes it. And Inigo is pounding on the door and he's trying to open it and he yells. He goes, "He's getting away from me, Fezzik." And he goes, "Please!" And like there's just there's so much like like he's so distraught, and it's so it, it really carries. It's incredible because that's serious and it's heartfelt and emotional. And immediately after that, they play it for laughs as Fezzik yeah. kind of lumbers yep. in good naturedly and is like, "Okay," and that's and like opens the door for him, you know. And that's what I mean. I feel like that is the part that was written. The funny part feels to me like what was written but the delivery was like oh oh we got a little something special in there let's keep that like that's what it felt like well even within that scene when you talk about like it then becomes very serious again um despite the fact that i laugh at the line i guess because i've seen the movie many times and i know where it's going um when it seems like count rugen wins yeah and he stabs him and he goes you've been searching your whole life for me this and that, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, to avenge your father, and then come so close, and then you're going to lose. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and it's like, on the one hand, it's like that's like kind of a badass dismount by a villain. Yeah, and on the other hand, it's like, oh my god, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then that leads into so he's bleeding from the stomach, and then he goes over to attack an ego, and he's leaning on the wall. <laughs> and he he swings at him and he knocks the sword away but not not with nearly enough effort and he gets stabbed in the shoulder and then he yeah. goes to strike him again and he does it again and he gets stabbed in the other shoulder and it's very slapstick mm-hmm. and then he gets up and he starts delivering the the classic line yeah. you know my name is Inigo Montoya that that whole deal but it's the first time he says it it's like oh he's coming back and the second time he says it it's kind of funny and then the third time he says it you don't even it doesn't even register anymore that it's like it's it's comedic you're just like super into it and you're like yeah you're like kick his ass (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so good and then oh my god he follows that up let me find the line here i wrote it down because it really it really killed me um he he's He's got the guy like on the ropes, basically, right? And he he slits his his face, Joker style, on either side, just like the guy did to him. And he says, "Tell me you'll give me money. Like, tell me you'll give me whatever I want." Yeah. And he's like, 
tell he's like say it he's like i'll give you anything that you wish for and he goes i want my father back you son of a bitch and he runs him through and i was like oh my god like how how good is this writing and this delivery like like i'm i'm not exaggerating this is really well done Mm -hmm. it's a like i don't care if it didn't perform well i don't care if it wasn't popular at the time i don't care if you call it a cult classic for me this is a great movie well the thing is a lot of times cult classic is used almost as a backhanded compliment yeah um but the thing is a lot of cult classics are honest to god good movies that just didn't resonate at the time or took a little while to catch on sure doesn't make them not good that's 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 true like, like if if and when, and we've already discussed that I'm going to hold this beer hostage until you ever watch Cloud Atlas. Yeah. That movie is an honest-to-God, fantastic movie. Yeah. Didn't perform well at the box office. Was somewhat critically acclaimed. It is beloved by a hardcore group of fans. It is a right. cult classic, despite the fact that it is an exceptional movie that should have farther reach than it does. Yeah. No, I... I hear it, it. It is usually used. And this movie is the same. Are, are you okay? Knocked out for a second. <laughs> I was like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah, I, <laughs> you seem suddenly very disinterested in what we were discussing. All, all sound just ended, and I was like, "Am I deaf?" Because <laughs> the headphones are still on, so I really did feel like I was deaf. Um. So, uh, just circling back real quick, though, to that 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 scene. He's repeating over and over again the classic line, um, the my name is line. And there's one thing that always bothered me about that scene. Who? What's the guy's name that he's fighting? The six-fingered Count man? Rugen. What is it? Count Rugen. Count Rugen. Uh, he goes, he gets frustrated by the amount of times that Anigo is repeating the line. Did you stop saying that? <laughs> That's what I think the line is supposed to be. But if you listen... He, it sounds every time it sounds the same to me. It sounds like he's yelling, "Stop, say that!" <laughs> and it bothers the hell out of me. And then I immediately forget about that because that's when Inigo delivers that whole thing, leading yeah. up to the "I want my father back." And I just every time though, it like it, it gives me like there's a, a little pause on watching it where I go, Did he, "Is he saying saying? Is he saying is that like <laughs> what's happening here?" <laughs> just go back, go back and watch that scene and tell me if I'm crazy. Because I swear he's saying, stop, say that. And I will try to remember that. Bothers the hell out of me. But jumping way back to the beginning. So, I, like I mentioned, this is the type of movie where you easily say, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. I also, I think it's a weirdly perfect balance between comedy, drama, suspense, fantasy, and action. It's everything all wrapped up in this beautiful little package. And just it, is a, it is a complete movie. Yeah. It's, it's got it all. It's got everything you want. And it's really funny because that's basically what the grandfather says <laughs> before he starts reading the movie. Yeah, it's got that. Like the kids asking him, like, does it do this, this, that. Yeah, it's got all that. It's got everything. Yeah, and it's 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 perfect. I also I never noticed it as much, uh, except for the last few times that I watched it. How how much I love the story of the grandfather and the grandson, mm-hmm. and it's just like they're. They're like growing towards each other. Like he's teaching this kid so much, even if like if you want to abstract it a little bit, like the kid's like, you know, video games, sports, like that's all he's interested in. And then like the grandfather starts telling him this compelling story. And over the course of the movie, he's getting more and more invested. Like he's concerned. 
his interest arises and then they, and like while all this is happening he's bonding with his grandfather yeah. to that beautiful the culmination of this whole thing at the end where the he goes hey can you come back and read it again tomorrow and he says as you wish and your heart just explodes yes <laughs> and it's just so good <laughs> yes it's great well to, highlighted by two things you know one you know again the comedy of it where you're reading it wrong, you know. This yeah, is, yeah. I, okay, I think you're. You know, I think this book's a little too. Well, you're taking it a little too seriously. You know? yeah. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Keep reading the. Keep reading the fucking story. Like, <laughs> and then you get, yeah, you know, that you know, it's the, the final as you wish, and it's like, mm, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did it. He did it so good. <laughs> There's the actors. Another thing, I, like I said, I was I was really trying to focus on every little detail I could this time around. So one of the things that I really noticed, and I think this lends itself a lot to um, why this movie works, it's the chemistry between the characters, how well everything is delivered. They seem to be having a genuinely good time the entire time through this movie. Well, I, the, in particular, I rewatched one scene. Not that I necessarily needed it for content per se, but I just genuinely enjoyed it. it you is, just wanted the to. Highest, the highest part of the movie is the sit-down, finally, between Vizzini and Wesley at this point still only known as the dread pirate roberts That's, or the man in black i guess it's one of the high points i will i will give you mine after this go on <laughs> okay fair um and i'm sitting through the whole scene and i forgot that robin wright seriously has zero lines in the whole scene yeah but she's sitting there the whole time and I'm like, she must have laughed so many times during this. Like, they must have had so many takes where, like, yeah. one of the, like, or, like, Carrie Elway's, like, seeing her sitting there. Because, like, you see some subtle movements where she's just, like, she kind of, like, hangs her head this way. Because like, she's blindfolded the whole yeah. time. And completely silent. Just sitting there. And it actually, because of, just because we talked about it last week, it reminded me of um, the whole thing with the, the Sam Raimi everyone in the background doing ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of James Franco in that one scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, she was a trooper just sitting there, at least on screen. Who knows what happened in between takes or like takes that they had to lose or whatever. Like she, <laughs> she's just sitting there silently demure. Like the fate of her life is um, in the, in the, the balance of this whole competition and I'm picturing James Franco doing whatever the fuck he's doing behind yeah. Willem Dafoe during that one scene, like in Spider-Man, that, that video we were talking about last week. I'm like, man, this scene is like, this scene is a perfect distillation of the entirety of the movie. Where That's you have fair. comedic elements, you have serious elements, the sensational and ridiculous and fantastical, as well as the serious. And like, you know, they have to really focus on stuff like that. And it's like, it's a perfect encapsulation of the movie at large in that one, it's like a four or five minute scene. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's actually really great. And on top of that, like delivering on that whole thing I mentioned before, where they seem like they're genuinely having a good time. Like you said, they probably did have to reshoot multiple times. They, they definitely cracked up during that because the entire time they're smirking and the smirks yeah. are so real. Yes. And they perfectly fit. They're perfectly in character. Yeah. They become meta too, because I'm sure they probably want to laugh at, at, even though, you know, while Sean is laughing a little bit because he's the one who's got this bravado and this and that. And Wesley is smirking because he, while Vicini thinks that he has the edge, Wesley knows that he has the edge. Right. But he's also probably laughing at how 
over the top while Sean is being yeah from the outside perspective. <laughs> I like I said, probably smirking, trying not to laugh at Robin Wright just sitting there like that, probably laughing in between takes as well. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that scene. It really is. I agree with you that that encompasses like everything about this movie. There are there are two others. Um, one is what used to be my favorite scene, and the other is what maybe after rewatching it this time. It's one of those two. The scene with Miracle Max. Absolutely, the first one. Miracle Max is one of the greatest characters of all time. <laughs> <laughs> a nice, a nice Go away. <laughs> A nice MLT, mutton lettuce tomato, where the mutton is really lean. <laughs> well, he's, he, nom, nom. he makes like the most disgusting sound. He's he's yeah. gross, like the the prosthetics on him and like yes. the makeup. He's disgusting. Like, you can see so that he clearly funny. can't move his face, and that's what makes for him doing this and talking like this the whole time. And then <laughs> <laughs> real MLT. Oh my god. He but that that whole scene is great, and that's another one very similar to the what you just said. Wesley is out. <laughs> that yes. entire scene but on screen and on the table yes just lying there limp but clearly Carrie always pretending to be passed out uh, so in, in a coma whatever he was like is it a noble cause he's like he probably owes you money or something like that ah oh, his wife's a cripple his kids are starving you're a terrible liar <laughs> <laughs> but he goes you know he, he breathes the life into him he's like I'm gonna get him he's like how are you gonna get him to talk you He's he's dead. Aha, he's only nearly dead. Or he's mostly, mostly dead. dead. Not all dead. <laughs> it also means slightly alive. Very important. <laughs> and then when he when he, when he presses on his uh, on his chest and he goes, True love. They like that's another scene. I don't I don't think I mean I'm not a professional actor. I wouldn't be able to hold it together the first time that happens. No. I would I would crack up. But they don't have smirks and they're really pulling through on this scene. Well, and the thing is, it could have happened multiple times. Sure. It could have been him wheezing true love. Yeah. It could have been Billy Crystal saying two blades. <laughs> and the most important one, when the wife comes in out of nowhere and goes, Liar! <laughs> one of the best scenes in the whole movie. And then um, on, on their way out, when they're leaving the place, is it going to work? Ah, oh, they need a miracle. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle, boys. I love it. Love it. So good. Oh, my God. That, they, so that's that used to be my favorite scene. Now my favorite scene is when um, Wesley and Inigo are fighting for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because the way that whole thing transpires is just, again, it encompasses the whole movie. And it just it just shows you the honor of these two characters, which is what I love about them so much. And like, and how strong it is. So you have Wesley who's climbing up the rope behind him, and Vicini cuts the rope, and Inigo looks over and he's hanging onto the rocks, and he's like, "Oh, oh what's a physic?" Goes like, "Oh, he's very strong." And they're like, "Okay, they're like, you go ahead. I'll I'll wait here and finish him off. I'm going to do it left-handed." And he goes, "You realize we're in a rush?" And he's like, "Ah, but it wouldn't be fair, <laughs> right?" So then he's looking at him, and he's like. And he's like, any chance you can hurry it up, getting up here? I've kind of got to, <laughs> I kind of got to get on with my day. And he's like, if you don't mind, he's like, this is taking a lot of effort. <laughs> it's like, if you have a rope or something, like just their banter back and forth. Oh, it's great. He goes, just hit him over the head with a rock. Oh, that doesn't seem very sports, sporting or whatever. Yeah. Isn't that what he says? Something yep. like that? He's, yep. Sporting. Yep. Like. <laughs> so eventually. And then after all that, he helps him up the hill. 
yeah well when he goes i'm gonna when he pulls him up he's like he's like if i if you pull me up he's like you're just gonna kill me when i get up there and he's like what if i promise not to <laughs> he goes you give me your word <laughs> and he does <laughs> so he gets up there and my this is and this is the part that is my absolute favorite the two of them sitting next to each other talking before they decide to like before they decide it's time to duel yeah okay it's like you're ready <laughs> well you've been more than fair so yes i'm ready yes <laughs> well it's, it's true like uh, this is actually something i had down too as well this is a classic adventure tale but there's nothing classic it's completely unconventional how they resolve all the major plot points in the movie right mm-hmm. you know it's oh i'm gonna have i'm gonna leave my brute behind and he's gonna you know bash him over the head with a rock well that doesn't seem very fair so he throws the rock to warn him and then we're gonna fight you know it's right Oh, I can just drop a rock on the top. Mm, eh. He seems to be trying so very hard, to quote the prestige. Um, and <laughs> he helps him up the hill. They chat. He lets him catch his breath. You ready to fight? Hey, man, let's fight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like the, so all this sorts of stuff. You know, okay, we're going to, we get down to the, the, to the quote unquote final boss, right? And it's, let's have a battle of wits rather than fight it out in any conventional manner, right? You know, and it's, mm-hmm. Let's have a battle of wits. The fuck are we talking about a battle of wits? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so and it's, even it's down so to good. the very end of the movie when he um, he's there in front of Prince Humperdinck, right? We don't get a final Humperdinck. climax. Humperdinck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I told you not to say that name. <laughs> Humperdinck. Humperdinck. Um, they don't have a conventional – that's where you cue the big action scene, the finale, the climactic battle between the two. And he threatens him with fighting to the pain – and that's the resolution of yeah. the story. So it's it's excellent. Yeah, that that the unconventional nature of the scenes really does add to it. It makes it so it makes it so fun. I despite forget. the fact that it's a conventional, it's a tale as old as time. It's Mario chasing Peach. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, each step of the way, you're always one step behind. You fight a, a sub boss, you conquer the sub boss. Blah 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 blah. But instead of having a climactic battle this time, it's some new thing that you don't expect being resolved in some way that you never saw coming in all in every sorts of way but it's still carried through by that conventional classic you know it's a tale of love you know it's a chase it's an extended chase sequence it's all these things you know what i mean right oh, it's so good I, I i just forgot about one more thing from miracle max's when they're at the door and he goes beat it or i'll call the brood squad i'm on the brood squad you are the root squad. <laughs> it's so it's so perfect. No, but back at Miracle Max's, this is another Actually, thing. Actually, I, I always I always think of that line from that from that scene where it's you know, well, there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Turn him over and shake him out for loose change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, so Miracle Max's, the other scene that I was talking about, the scene you're talking about, they have these. There's these incredible set pieces throughout the movie. And the pacing of the movie, I think, is perfect. And that's another, like, thing to add to this equation that made this, like, wonderful stew. <laughs> is that they, nothing, they they don't linger in any one place for too long. They give they you just enough of it. In every place. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you usually don't get that. There's, there's always that scene where you're just like, uh, all right, you know. This is over yet? You know, thirty seconds. Like, I'm not really getting anything out of this. But every every piece of this, I feel like lasts just long enough, doesn't get stale, and isn't too abrupt. 
The only thing that maybe is abrupt is the ending, the very ending, because just because you want more because you love them so much, but it really isn't if you think about it. It does end perfectly. Yeah. But it's just like, uh, but more. Because <laughs> so good. But uh, it's it's just really, the, the pacing is just wonderful. There's The movie starts off with uh, the grandfather talking to Fred Savage. And I got to say, man, I was I was really focused on that room and everything that was in there because it is just chock full of 80s nostalgia pieces. Yes. So I'm going to run through a couple that I took note of. We've got the cotton ball snowman that we all made in school. We have this terrible Santa decoration that I'm pretty sure both of us have, and I'm sure other people have it as well, where like the like the leg and the arms are like they're like pinned on it's paper. They're like mm-hmm. pinned on and it kind of swings and the beard is cotton balls and it's like ah, made of yes. construction paper. We all have I feel like we all have that, right? <laughs> it's just like a thing that exists in our lives. <laughs> I don't I just I can't imagine not having that. Uh, the old school CRT monitor and the hideous remote uh, CRT TV and the hideous remote control that goes with it that I'm pretty sure that I, I still have somewhere in my parents' basement. Um, nice. There's a crazy straw and a cup behind him. <laughs> Next to that cup, there is a He-Man figurine, a Captain America figurine, a die-cast Ferrari, a bag of old Cheetos... <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing hardball, which is just like a, it's just an old baseball video game. And it's just like it, that, that whole room is just like, ah, uh, I love this. <laughs> like it's, it's just it's it's just pure childhood. And it's like it's like all these little things that I remember that are probably like still somewhere in my parents' attic or basement. <laughs> but it's just so it's so good. It makes it so relatable. We yes. When it when we dive into the movie, like right in the beginning, like early on, you know, we're starting to we learn the characters a little bit here and there. But the first, I started taking notes, like as we were going through, of like just like little scenes and like quick little things that happened that I wanted to just to bring up. So I'm just gonna start. I'll start running through them. We can stop me at any time. We can like you know discuss them further. There is one. So Princess Buttercup is riding through the field. No bodyguards, nothing like like she's in like pure free where no one can hear you scream, right? Not a town for miles, as Bassini says. And then Andre the Giant like Vulcan neck pinches her. <laughs> what is I'm that? Sure that he, I'm sure that he could snap just about anyone in half. So right, it but it's just so it's so funny because it's just like he takes her off the horse and she passes out. Like, <laughs> and that's that's all there is to it. And it's just it's so silly. But what that's followed up by is the rhyming game between Fezzik and the Negro. Oh, my God. And it brings me so much joy because I yes. love that game. And it just it's their entire relationship wrapped up. Yes. And it's what does he say? I actually think I'm going to let me scroll real quick. I think I actually wrote down. Um, maybe I didn't. He says something along the lines of. Uh, oh, that's what the, the anybody want a peanut comes from. It's during that scene. Stop it. I mean it. <laughs> Anybody want to see it? Anybody want to peanut? They go back and forth so many times where we're just like, this is like, is this actually happening right now? Yes. And that that triggered something where I was like, this is really funny. It just seems like a like a game that I've played. And then I realized it's not a game that I've played. It's a game that I've watched numerous times on whose line is it anyway? And 
then I realized there's a lot of other things that go on that remind me of whose line is it anyway. Like, a lot of it feels like improv. It's clearly scripted because it's so well done. Yes. I mean, but I'm sure there's a little bit in there that maybe less. Yes, most of, most of it seems too tightly written to be right. improv. But there's times where it does feel that way. I, I have to imagine, even though a lot of it does seem like it had to have been tightly written in the scene between Vecini and Wesley, some of it also felt kind of improv as well. Yeah. And well, there's probably some of that in that. That was actually um, the banter in this movie is great. Like some of the stuff in Miracle Max has had to have been improv. Yeah. You know what's improv? When he goes, when he's, uh, what does he say to him? If I bring him back, it's going to cause Prince, Prince Humberdink pain. And he goes, he like gets really excited and he turns around and he goes over and he, you don't really hear what he's saying. And I don't think he's actually saying words, but he's like, I know me dying. Like what just happened there? That. That's you can't script that. That's not something you can write down. That's just it just happened. That was just Billy Crystal. <laughs> oh, look who's such an expert all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the uh when Wesley is uh he's like incapacitated and he could look around is basically all he can do. There that whole interaction feels like an episode of Whose Line. And where they they put their hands in and he he swings his arm <laughs> <laughs> up on top of the pile, like it's just, it's just so silly. And then Andre the Giant's holding his head, Fezzik's holding his head, and he's like shaking it, yes, and helping him look around and keeping him upright so that they can talk to each other. And it just kills me every time. Yes, it's so funny. Or even some like the stupid little lines where it's like, it's the 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 scene where they're going into the hidden tree for the first time, and you know, is everything all right? You don't seem yourself. Yeah. I have, you know, my uh, my wife to murder. You know, I have I have a, I have a country to run, a wedding to plan, my I wife to murder, and Gilder to frame with for it. I'm all booked up. I'm booked. Just, well, well, do get your rest. Get some rest. After yeah. all, <laughs> after all, what do you have without your health? <laughs> so good, so good. I, now, where did I leave that secret hidden knot? As he's poking around in yep. the tree. <laughs> And then, which is, this is one of those scenes that's an awesome callback. The uh, They knock out the albino. Uh, mm. And later on in the movie, he goes, where did we leave the wheelbarrow the albino had? Over the albino, I think. <laughs> 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 so good. Oh, my goodness. Uh, then I realized, another thing I realized during this, uh, Gary Elways just kills it. Like, he totally owns his character. And Speaking of which, what the hell happened to Gary Elways? I don't know, man. Because he did nail it in this movie. And I feel like nothing happened between him nailing it in this movie and then 10 years later with him playing the goof in Liar Liar. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. Six years later, he killed it again as Robin Hood. (laughs) It's a good point. It's a good point. So what happened between Robin Hood? And then he got killed. And Liar Liar. (laughs) Did he? I don't remember. He didn't. No, I really don't remember. Uh, spoiler alert! Uh, honestly, screw you. <laughs> uh, no, liar, liar. Though he, no, he did. He did do good there because he is playing. That's the. Well, he was fine, but like he was like a goof. But the thing is, after that, he disappeared and then reappeared in Saw, which was a super yeah. low budget movie, yeah, and then strange. disappeared again forever. Yeah. We want you back, Gary. We want you I don't back. understand. Was it just was it was it one of those things where like 
it was like the boyish good looks and charm, and then like as he aged, that he lost that, and then he, he aged out. <laughs> appeal is that, is that what happened? Because he's a good actor. Yeah. The, well, I mean, not a great one. He's not like a Hall of Famer, but like he's, he's great in this. He, he really was very is. good in this. Every, like, and then, but that's what made me realize it wasn't just him. Everybody was great in this. Yes. And I, it's just it's a perfect storm. I mean, his delivery in that scene at the table, the, you know, the whole thing, you're just stalling for time. You know, this, yeah. you, know, you know, oh, you must be, a, your, 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 your intellect is truly stunning. You know, all this sort of stuff, you know, all those lines clipped like he's perfect. You know, the scene in the woods, you know, oh, the rod- rodents of unusually large size. I don't believe they exist as yeah. he immediately gets attacked by one. Even though he just saw them. Yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Hey, his delivery let's... in the final scene. No, to the pain, and he's, yeah. you know, he's just like, like slowly like rising and crescendoing in that scene. Let's let's talk about to the pain for a second because that's that's one of the great lines is when he says no to the pain. I and used he, that line on someone recently and they didn't get it, and I oh, I it, so. and you're no longer friends. Yeah, that's fair. And then so, but he says he says that to the pain. He's like, what? And he goes, I'll explain, and I'll be sure enough to use small words so that you understand, you warthog faced buffoon. <laughs> Yes, his insults in that scene are incredible. And he goes, and then later on, yeah, right after that, so he explains it, and uh, the the prince goes, I think you're lying. It's possible. Big. <laughs> <laughs> then he calls him a miserable, vomitous mess. And I paused, just, I had to write each of these down because they were like just the best insults. But on top of this ridiculous humor that's happening, that speech of what to the pain means is just oh it's incredibly great. written and incredibly done and again i don't understand how they got through that they must have again made multiple scenes because yeah how were you know the guy i don't even know the, the name of the actor the guy who played for some humperdinck but um chris sarandon and and um robin wright they must have been cracking up during that scene too like you know? i think actually that might be what it's it might be he goes like wrong again you miserable vomitous mess <laughs> or something like that but he's talking about like you know oh then my ears yes and yes, then my I, eyes and ears no your ears you keep <laughs> yes <laughs> oh it's it's every scream, and i'll tell you why cry. oh it's so good the delivery is just fantastic i love this movie the more i think about it the more i love it it's so it's wonderful. I actually have Prince Humperdinck written down here as Prince Toolbag because early <laughs> on in the movie, when he's just like explaining everything that happened, like he's looking at the footsteps. I was like thinking about it now. It's like oh, like he like legit understood everything that happened in the scene and he calls it out perfectly. So he is like he should be formidable. He, I mean, he mostly was. It's just that he's a coward. Yeah. Um. Because the same thing. Like, it, well, for one, it's one of those things where it's like oh, like he, he could have just been able to get all these things because he planned it all out. Right. And then it gets to the point where he sits down. Yeah. Like you said, he talks about the fight between the Nego and, and Wesley. It's like, Oh wow. Okay. He got that whole thing, you know, and he sits down, you know, I okay powder. I bet my life on it. And it's like, well, there's no possible way he could have known that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. No, and the like, fact that they tracked them down so very fast. Well, uh, on that Iocane powder one, there's a there's a the music's great in the movie as well and this is the yes. first scene where i really noticed um just like the perfect swells in the music the battle of wits like there's just these he says like uh a battle of wits and it like it goes like done and it goes to the death and he goes yes done <laughs> like and just the way that they they well, it's, like, it's a couple stages it goes 
He goes, I propose a battle of wits. For the girl? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To the death? Yes. <laughs> it's so it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, the other the other thing I wanted to circle back to was the you had mentioned the quicksand and the the RUSs before. Oh, the light the lightning sand. There's a couple things that we need to mention about the lightning sand. Well, it's the fire swamp, mm-hmm. and it's the RULSs. And was it lightning sand? Was that Light- what it was? Yeah, lightning sand, which is a much faster quicksand, I guess. <laughs> this is a a practical effect feat because. He dives headfirst into sand and disappears, and I it blows my mind. I just don't understand how <laughs> they did that. <laughs> like, what's under it? Like, how are you? What what's going on here? I literally, Lightning. I literally have no idea how they pulled that off. Lightning. Lightning. So <laughs> the other, the, uh, aside from that nonsense, which is just incredible, because it's it's actually a really good scene when you, especially if you think about that, like they, it doesn't make any sense. It defies physics. So sure they does. they whatever they did on like the the production design there, like to set that up so that he could dive through it and for it to look like sand, like the sand was engulfing him and her, like that. It was really incredible. But <laughs> the the other thing is this reminds me of a John, John Mulaney stand up. Do you recall his quicksand stand-up? I don't... Oh, I thought it was going to be a lot bigger problem when I was... Yeah, when I grew yeah. up. And it's so funny because that resonated with me so much because I... I actually forgot that was a John Mulaney one. I remember it being from a stand-up and I remember hearing it. I forgot it was him. Yeah. But that, that's like that's so funny because that's the type of thing like that you saw when you were a kid. That That's where those thoughts came from. It was in every cartoon. It was in movies like this. You know what? Um, As a child, also a movie with Carrie Elway's... Um, the Jungle Book, the live-action Jungle Book that came out in the '90s. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> it, it was Jason Lee, Lena Headey, Carrie Elways, probably yes. other people that I don't recall. That came out in what, like '96, '97, oh something like God. that. I'm looking it up um, right now. '94. '94. Okay, uh, I remember seeing that as like a five-year-old. Holy crap! And there's a brutal. I mean, that's a Disney movie, and that was a there was a brutal depiction of a dude slowly dying in quicksand. Yeah, and that horrified me for like eight years. I completely forgot about that movie. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, wow. that yeah, that scene, that, that scene another, there you up. go. Another movie, like I'll to the point where that. it's like there's only a couple of scenes like that, like over the course of like your life, where it's like. Oh, I can't watch that scene anymore. Like, one of these movies is way more serious. I've got Sam Neill was in this uh, and John Cleese. I have not seen this movie in a very long time because the scene with the quicksand messed me up pretty badly. I saw it a couple of times as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I remember like watching it again as a kid because I liked the movie at large. Yeah. And like I would fast. I had it on VHS. I fast forwarded past the quicksand scene because it made me really deeply uncomfortable. And, like, so this movie came out in 1994. It came out on Christmas of 1994. I don't think I saw it until probably early the next year. So I was, like, four and a half. Yeah. Maybe it came, maybe I saw it a year after it came out, so I was five <laughs> years old. Right. Um, uh, there was another movie I saw a couple of years later. Again, not right when it came out because, of like, when it came out in theaters, I saw it, like, when it first made it to, like, VHS um, in 1998, Saving Private Ryan. 
Mm, yeah. I shouldn't have seen. I shouldn't no, have seen that when I was seven, eight years old, but I did. Nah. Um, I I kind of vaguely remember. Like I vaguely remember you saying that you watched it, and at my age, I I don't think I had seen it yet, and I was like, really? <laughs> like because like, I know, like I probably shouldn't watch it. You definitely shouldn't watch it. <laughs> well, you had me watch Austin Powers when I was like eight, so I that's mean... fine. <laughs> that's harmless. Oh, there was a lot of things that I didn't realize <laughs> till later in life when I got a lot of the innuendo. Right. Um, well, that's the thing that can go right, right over your head. You can't, you can't overlook a guy walking around picking his arm up off the beach at D-Day. Yeah, no. Uh, so that scene actually didn't really resonate with me in the same way as um, later right. in the movie when they're fighting in the room and they get into the knife fight. Mm-hmm. I still can't watch that scene, yeah, and that scene rough. resonated with me from the time of being a seven or eight year old. Uh, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Thinking about it makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, watching this guy um, choke to death on uh, quicksand made me very, very you uncomfortable. You know what's really funny? I had completely blocked that movie out of my mind until you brought it up. And when you were talking about the quicksand, that right there, like him choking up, that's what I remember now. And that's, yes. that, uh, like, like I said, you, you, you clearly as a child blocked it out because it was traumatic. Oh, my God. I should have. Instead, it's been like a waking nightmare for me. That is no, terrible. It haunted me as a child. Um, uh, let's so get it, away it, from this subject. It's terrifying. Let, let's, sometimes let's talk, you have to shine a light on these Let's things. talk about something absolutely ridiculous. At the end of the movie, when Fezzik has the four white horses and, and Princess Buttercup jumps out the window. <laughs> Hey, he caught her, man. This, do you understand how big and strong that fucking guy was? I do. But one, they make the jump look like it takes... A, I mean, it would be over very quickly, but they make it look like it's such a long drop. <laughs> and it's, yes. it's like, I'm thinking about the whole time, even if somebody catches you, that's not going to be good. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a mountain of a man. Um, not like to be he confused could, with the mountain. He could, like, drink a keg himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, the stories of his drinking in real life are legendary. I've heard some of them; they're incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he would rip a thirty pack the way you and I would drink a six. <laughs> that's that's. Terrifying. I'm not even joking. Yeah, I've I've read I've who I think actually that that might be another thing that was in either I Love You Man or How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Jason Segel's obsessed with him. That's why it it comes up in both of those things. Oh, is it? And he does he does talk about his uh, his drinking accomplishments, if you want to call Did them he? that. In in something, I think it was How I Met Your Mother, which so that's probably why you, you haven't seen it. But yeah, like I've I've heard these things. And it's just, it sounds it's like it's absurd, but like I believe it. I mean, look at the man. He's he was in, he was he was enormous. Yeah, I heard um, it was Ric Flair telling stories about him. Hmm. And it's incredible. It beggars belief. Like, it's... Yeah. All right, I'm going to, for this next segment here, I've gotten through my notes. So what I would like to do is rattle off some wonderful lines from this film. Okay. So stop me if you want to talk about any of them. I'm going to read I will do my best to return fire in the instances in which that is appropriate perfect that's wonderful but i cannot promise that i will be able to do so as successfully as i would have if i had seen the movie earlier so the first one i have here is as you wish we already talked about that the second one very subtle 
Very great. You can easily miss it. When they're on the boat, before they get to the mountain and climb the rope, Nigo looks over the back and sees that the boat's scanning on them over time, over time. Scanning, it's scanning, it's scanning. And he goes, I'm wondering if he's using the same wind we're using. <laughs> <laughs> it just slays me. The I next one I had on there was MLT, the mutton lettuce and tomato. Um, quiet, I mean it. That's what the line was. Quiet, I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> That's where that came from. The other one is inconceivable. Yes. You keep on using this word. Means what you think it does. <laughs> I don't think it means what you think it means. So good. Uh, you seem like a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem like a decent fellow. I hate to die. <laughs> so good. Uh, I do not envy the headache you will have when you awake. But in the meantime, rest well and dream of large women. <laughs> this one, this next line is a little too dark for this movie. Life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, this is one that you brought up the other day. All but your four fastest. And that's that's a good line. Again, very well scripted. Very well scripted. Agreed. Uh, have fun storm the castle. Talked about that. Where do we put the wheelbarrow? Now the next one on here, this one holds a special place in my heart. I don't think I've ever picked up on the uh, the wheelbarrow one. I love that. Over the albino, I think. Uh, the next line, super important because my sister delivered it while she was um, marrying you. Yeah, while she was marrying Kim and I, and uh, <laughs> marriage. Yes. By the way, those of you who are listening and and, and don't are not aware. Anthony and his wife, Kim, the person who officiated over that was his sister, which, great. She did so in the character of the priest from The Princess Bride. Like, with the outfit. Yes. <laughs> and the voice. Marriage. And the lines. Marriage <laughs> is what brings us together today. Wait, wait, sorry. Did you see what he's listed as in IMDb? I think I saw it before. It was something ridiculous. It's the, the impressive, impressive clergy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, when Buttercup's about to kill herself. And oh, he, my God. There's a shortage of perfect breast in this world. Would be a pity to damage yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and that, right, before, right before Buttercup jumped out the window, Fezzik was like, I found these four white horses. They were just there. And I figured if we ever find the lady... Hello, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Which dovetails in perfectly with your hello, Miss Lady from yeah. earlier. <laughs> hello, Miss Lady. And uh, what is an ego says something along the lines of like, Fezzik, you finally did something right. And then he goes, I won't let it go to my head. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I have this, this fun little fan theory for you about uh, Buttercup and Inigo. Buttercup. How this whole time we didn't even talk about that dream sequence, which is great too. That dream sequence is terrifying. Let's keep going with your thing, but then but, circle back to the dream sequence. Buttercup, I mean, think about what you went through. She realized how absurd politics are. This lays the foundation for her to become Claire Underwood. So this is just <laughs> her later. <laughs> and the other one was, uh, I don't know what it, it was uh, along the lines of like his stature, his delivery. And especially when he's in his serious moments, 
but there is so much Jon Snow and an ego <laughs> that I'm like, is this inspired? <laughs> what the hell happened here? I have to say, seeing this movie in 1987, I didn't see it in 1987. The movie came out in 1987. Right, you weren't Man. with us. <laughs> was not was not with you. Um, I wasn't with us. <laughs> fair. Um, Mandy Patinkin mm. playing a Spaniard. Yep. Which that's hilarious in its own right. Um, to then what he is now as an actor. Um, truly incredible transformation <laughs> yeah. before our very eyes. Yeah. You know what? Just another another one of his great scenes though. When he's drunk, and he like gets up swinging the sword, again flawless. The scene's flawless. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so well done. All I know is when I first started watching Homeland, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's me." That's Mandy him. Scene? Yeah. <laughs> Say the line. I don't believe it. Yeah, um, that's that's crazy. But let's get back to the dream sequence. Yeah, please. Because again, another fantastic soliloquy. The. The ancient, the ancient booer, as she is credited in IMDb. Oh my god! Boo! One, <laughs> one of the greatest tertiary characters in all of history. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Boo! Boo! Bow to the queen of filth, the queen of refuse. <laughs> oh my god! Also coming up with the, the most tremendous of insults. You had it. You had true love, and you threw it all away. So boo! <laughs> <laughs> boo! Oh my god, that's great! And honestly, yeah. I remember when I was watching it, just like the kid, you know. Wait, you're telling the story wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck happened? What is going on? Like, she just, yeah, I'm gonna go get married now. Like, nothing. And then it's like, oh, how the hell did they not kill this old lady? But oh, it's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> right, right. It's got, it's got all the good things that you see in movies. It even had the dream sequence. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, because it's like a perfect segue to it. Like they don't lead you into believe like he's reading a story and it's just the the, the king died that very night. What and about, they were away. What about the scene where it starts to get a little too serious so the senile king lightens things up? When she says, I'm sorry, I wanted to thank you so much for you uh, being so kind to me. Uh I won't see you again because I'm going to kill myself. And it's like, What the fuck? Yeah, and he goes, That's nice. And he turns yeah. to his wife and he goes, She kills me. <laughs> No, 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 she kissed him on the forehead and she said, yeah. she kissed me. Oh, she kissed me. That makes more sense. Yes. I thought he thought it was a joke. Oh, my God. No, he was super glad that he just got a kiss from the pretty young That's princess. A... That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to kill myself this evening. That's nice. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. I love this movie so much. Me too. It's an absolute joke. And it's like, I, I wouldn't say that in the traditional sense, this would be my type of movie, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but it transcends the barriers of what, like, how you would define certain movies. I mean, like, it's yeah. it's a sappy romantic, not a rom- not, not a romantic comedy though. There are certainly comedic elements, you know. It's but it, I mean, it's it's, it's kind a, of like it's a know, fantasy. Movie. It's a fantasy, but it's I mean, it's also very much that sort of like sappy movie where it's like the type of thing where like. You know, the whole stereotype of, like, oh, my girlfriend or my wife made me watch this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Type of thing. And it's like, fuck that. I would make my wife or my girlfriend watch it if they had never seen it before. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, absolutely. It's a damn good movie. I mean, think about it. The whole thing, it ends, you know, of the ten greatest kisses in all of, you know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're not going to want to hear about that. This is uh, 
It's more the, the kissing thing. No, it's okay, Grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> so That's so good. Uh, what a gem. Do you have anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Other than I have one note that I kind of left. And I know I've like, like marked it before, but it's like... They're like in this, like, I forget what the name of their kingdom is. They're the, the kingdom of Gilder next door and this and that is all the, the RULSs and all these like fantastical things. But it's like, there's still references to like Sicily and Asia and yep. Spain and Australia. And it's like, what the fuck are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's a, that's something that happens in uh, Batman stuff a lot. Yeah, I guess. It kind of drives me crazy. But, but no, that's it. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. Thanks for joining us. If you have a topic for the show or you want a movie, you want us to cover a specific movie, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at spinchoon.com. That's S-P-I-N-C-H-O-O-N. We will be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony. He's Al. Cheers.